Okay. I know Mitch McConnell has said it. What I'm telling you is I don't know what it means. I'm not sure what this could be referring to. I don't possibly know enough about Senate procedure to know what Mitch McConnell means by, if you get rid of the filibuster, I'm going scorched earth. But oh my goodness, is Mitch McConnell not happy? Which makes you wonder exactly what's happening regarding the filibuster. Are Democrats like like, uh, Joe Manchin caving on this? And if so, are we going to be seeing the nuclear, the very nuclear, very angry cocaine Mitch? Let's dig in. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Be sure to like the page. Get the podcast at TonyKatz.com. Just click on the upper right. It says podcast and subscribe or follow it. I greatly appreciate it. It was a piece over at National Review. Zachary Evans. McConnell warns Democrats of scorched earth Senate if filibuster is removed. So what McConnell is saying is that he can use, he will use every rule available to move conservative policies if Democrats eliminate the filibuster. Now let's make sure we all are on the same page regarding the filibuster. When the Senate wants to engage a vote, the Senate needs a something called cloture, right? C-L-O-T-U-R-E. That's what they need. Cloture is the parliamentary procedure that ends a debate and brings about the vote. Right? That's what we're talking about here. So we're discussing whether or not that 60-vote threshold has to be achieved so they can get to the vote. Now, the vote can be 51. You only need 50 plus 1. It can be 50-50, and you have the tiebreaker from the Vice President Kamala Harris. That's how important the Georgia runoffs were. That's how important... So what the discussion here is, by getting rid of the filibuster, which is unlimited debate, by eliminating that, you could have these 50 plus one situations all day, all night, all the time. What McConnell is saying is that if this happens... We're going to go to town, and we are not going to be fun to deal with. You know why they call him Cocaine Mitch, right? He was running for a re-election, uh, and uh, there, there was a, a guy running against him who made the claim um, that Mitch McConnell was involved in, in the cocaine business or had an association to it, and things were coming over from China. So his team just said, all right, we'll call him Cocaine Mitch. They call him Cocaine Mitch, we'll call him Cocaine Mitch, and now he's Cocaine Mitch. See, they tried to change it to Moscow Mitch, but that was just totally, totally lame. Not even supposed to be here today. Right, who would want that ridiculous kind of name? Cocaine Mitch, hot damn. So he's saying, on the floor of the Senate, let me be very clear. See if you can find this audio, producer Ari. Let me say this very clearly for all 99 of my colleagues. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. 
Well, let me tell you, in the world of the Senate, that's some threat stuff right there. You got a nice uh, chamber of uh, Congress here. Nice house here. Be a shame if something happened to it. Right? It's, for, for members of Congress, that's rough and tumble talk. I believe when he says nobody serving this chamber can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched Senate would look like. If I were to bring that into 2021 kind of parlance, a kind of uh, a way to say things, uh, I, I believe what he's saying is, bitches, listen up. That I'm pretty sure that's how it translates. You'll have to check with Urban Dictionary or Google Translate in order to find out for sure. As soon as Republicans wound up back in the saddle, we wouldn't just erase every liberal change that hurt the country. We'd strengthen America with all kinds of conservative policies with zero input from the other side. It's also saying that Republican majority Senate would pass national right to work legislation, defund Planned Parenthood and sanctuary cities on day one. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. What are you waiting for? This is everything Trump ever needed. <laughs> this is everything he possibly wanted. The argument he's making, of course, is one that has um, a, a profound nature to it. He's saying that when you make these decisions, political left, do not expect us to live by some rule that you don't. If it is to end, it will end by your hand. And then you will regret everything that comes next. This was Mitch McConnell saying it about Harry Reid. If you get rid of the filibuster on Supreme Court nominees, you will regret it. And they didn't regret it once, not even twice. They regretted it thrice. That's three times for those of us playing the home game. This is what Mitch McConnell is laying down. Now, what's interesting is that it's very obvious that it won't be Mitch McConnell. There is talk that in Kentucky, they're actually working behind the scenes to figure out how they can decide on the Republican side who a replacement would be, right? The governor of Kentucky is Andy Bashir, a Democrat. So they're trying to figure this out. How they can rewrite the laws of Kentucky and get it passed and then deal with any levels. I mean, I'm not an expert on the Kentucky General Assembly there or legislature. Could they deal with vetoes and this and that? So they, the Republicans, can decide who the next, who the replacement would be, or at least uh, here's a group of replacements that you can pick from. This because, well, Mitch McConnell's never been well. And he did win re-election, but he is 78. And there are real practical applications at play about what you're going to have to do. When life does what it is life does, and Mitch McConnell can no longer go on or is not around to go on. So I wonder if this is Mitch McConnell just being pretty upset. If this is Mitch McConnell reminding Cinema and Mansion that the pendulum doth swing. 
Or is this Mitch McConnell looking at the rest of the Republican Party and say, look, I know y'all think I look like a turtle. I know y'all think that I'm just some kind of slack-jawed yokel. I know y'all think I don't have the strength. Listen to what I'm telling you about how you have to handle these things. I'm the guy who wouldn't give Merrick Garland a hearing. Maybe I know how to be tough. You better be paying attention because I'm not always going to be here, kids. I'm not always going to be here to hold your hand and get you to the vote. You're going to have to handle some of these things on your own, like big boys and big girls with your big boy and big girl pants. So here, let me show you how it's done one more time. And then, and then you're going to have to do the rest. That is, this is crazy harsh. And honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I will say to you, I don't know what it is that Kristen Cinema of Arizona gets by going forward with this. Nor do I necessarily know what Joe Manchin gets in terms of his voters. Now, Joe Manchin, as I've argued many times, there is no one across the country who has more name ID than Joe Manchin. It doesn't exist. Joe Manchin's name ID in West Virginia, no one comes close. You don't have the name ID in your house that Joe Manchin has in West Virginia. Could it be possible that he could be somebody who doesn't protect the filibuster and uh, turns people off and creates an opportunity to lose an election? Look, I guess it's possible, but man, you are... You are really reaching, really reaching if you, if, if, if you think that's possible. I don't know if that's necessarily the same for cinema in Arizona. Yes, she beat Martha McSally, but beating Martha McSally is kind of what you do in Arizona. The former Republican senator, the former Republican congresswoman, who we all have learned she can do things and be kind of effective when she's in the job, but she can't run a campaign to save her life. She can't do it. It's obvious. I would say this to her and to her staff. Now, if you say to me, I wouldn't, uh, I, I will tell you this story. I believe producer Ari was in the room. Oh, God. When it happened. Oh, I know this story. It's true. Uh, we had a candidate in my beloved Indianapolis. Oh, this was terrible. Who ran for mayor. This was so mean. I want you to know that everything I say on air comes from the heart. I make nothing up. I do not lie. I do not lie. I grew up as a kid who lied to myself all the time. And the day I stopped lying to myself, everything got better. I do not lie to anyone because I do not lie to myself. At all. In any way. And the Republican who ran for mayor of, of Indianapolis, who was a nice enough guy, ran quite possibly the worst campaign I have ever seen for anything. And let go of people who I thought were the only competent people who were part of that campaign. Quite literally, the a campaign so bad that it cannot be measured by man. And just days before the election, came on the show, right? And, and started talking to me about how, how they've got to be a good turnout. They think it's going to be all right. 
Uh, lost lost the vote. I think it was it was seventy to thirty, right? I don't even know if they if they got thirty percent of the vote. When they were in my studio, we were nose to nose. His staff was around him, this campaign staff, and I said to him, "Sir, if I were you, I would take your campaign staff to the tallest building and throw them out a window." That's how bad are. That's how bad your campaign has been. I don't know what you're thinking. I said that with the staffers in the room. Did I or did I not, Producer Ari? No, that's that's exactly what happened. I, 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 I don't lie to anybody. Martha McSally can't campaign. I don't think she's a bad person. We might agree or disagree on a couple of stylistically, uh, stylistic things. But with, with all the clarity in the world, that woman can't campaign to save her life. But if she was running again, if, if, if there was another Republican to run against Senator Kristen Sinema, who, for a woman who we thought was a socialist, has been pretty interesting in, in her ways. I mean, still way too left for my liking, but has been at least interesting. She's going to have to deal with the ramifications of doing away with the filibuster. It's hard to pressure Manchin. It's easier to pressure Cinema. So we'll see what they do. In the meantime, Mitch. I love he's letting you know what the future's going to bring. I like it when he's like this. I'm Tony Katz. There is a 1961 Lincoln Continental convertible with suicide doors for sale for 60 grand, and I'm considering it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. I go through these phases, um, and it usually happens about now, and it's like it's, it's spring, and I, I, there are plenty of new cars that I, that I love, right? And there are things that I'm into. I think I could see myself as a Porsche guy. Right, I really and truly uh, do. I happen to love the Lincoln brand of today. I love the Ram, uh, like like the whether it's it's well that's Dodge, but the the, the whole truck line is spectacular and comfortable and fantastic. I love it. I absolutely love it. Me personally, I, I drive an H three. I drive a Hummer. Right. I I have looked at getting one of the old school military ones. I wouldn't even do anything to it, and that's got no suspension. You you bounce around for forever. But you can park anywhere. What's someone going to stop you? Thing is amazing. But I am crazy drawn to the idea of a car that has no computer. I want something, and I understand that I know nothing about cars. I, a, a zero. I can change my own oil sometimes on a good day. Right, I'm I'm not pretending to be something I'm not here, but I love the idea of something without a computer that I could actually fix on my own. That I that that doesn't require anything else. Now, I think I need air conditioning, right? I I I I, I am that kind of a kind of boy, uh, but it's 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 just calling to me. And and the suicide doors, you know what a suicide door is, right, producer Ari? Yeah, it opens like a, a vert, like up and out. No, no, not up and out. No, no, no. That that would be like 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 a like a wing, or maybe there's a name for it. A suicide door. Instead of opening right uh, to opening up like to the left, it opens up to the right. Because 
Just cause? Right? It's, it, it's, it's called a suicide door because it can easily get knocked off, right? It's, and it's gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous, gorgeous. You're talking about like on a Tesla? No, no, no. That's not a suicide door. So this just open. Like, what's the point? Just because it looks cool? Yeah, because it's awesome. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Because it's, 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 it's old school swingers. Let's go to Vegas, baby. Vegas kind of stuff. And the look is just awesome. And I can't, I can't get past it. Now, there are two-door versions of the Lincoln Continental. And I'm like, that's cool. That's cool. But the idea of the four-door is just, is just sexy as a mother. This one, I'm staring at, like, so I'm, I'm on Auto Trader. I'm on the classics part of Auto Trader. Um, I, I, this is like a, a, a baby blue. It's it's ridiculous. I think you got to get it in black. I think that's the way it's got to go. But holy cow. Yes, and I'm fully aware Ram is only Ram. I was thinking of the Dodge Durango. That's why I brought up Dodge, but that's not that's not Ram, that's Dodge, right? Which I also think is is beautiful. I think the whole Dodge line is is awesome, but the Ram is just the trucks. They're the, it's its own brand, it's its own world, and the Ram trucks are incredible. That, 100% true. But like I, I could do this. I could get away here, 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 producer Ari. Here, I this is. I, you're not gonna get me, producer Ari. You, I'm telling you what to get me for my birthday. It's a '66 Lincoln Continental. It, it is brown. It's two tone, light brown with the dark brown hard top. It's it's twenty one thousand. That's that's actually not bad, right? I, I don't even know how many miles that's. It doesn't even say. It doesn't even say. But the. I can't, I can't bring, I can't get myself to stop. This has to happen. Someone, someone out there has one that I can at least drive, right? I don't want to be the top gear guys. I just, I just want to have some kind of gear. Oh, cannot get over it. Start, it honestly, it, it like, it just, it comes over me like, once a year, I'm like, I have to do this. So I'm going to have to work myself out of this phase, guys. I'm Tony Katz. You can ask Jen Psaki all the questions you want about the border, but she will not answer honestly, no matter what. But based on what you have said before and our understanding of the policy, it's just guidance that these migrants who test positive, many of them are instructed you should go and quarantine and isolate do you know does the administration know how many actually do versus how many actually just go off to wherever well i I just wanted to convey because i know you were asking a good question here that's the very specific processes that are taken for each scenario um and certainly there are um you know with these with the individuals who are coming across alternatives who are treated with uh, again noted sometimes ankle bracelets as they come across while they're waiting for uh, adjudication of their cases. Um, those are the steps that are taken. Those are the recommendations that are made. And I just noted that testing is a proposal. There's a proposal for testing all of these individuals as they come across. Um, so that's what our policy processes are. But in terms of specific data and numbers, I would certainly refer you to CBP or I'm happy to talk to them as well. And you know, so the translation of that, Jen Psaki, is people can come across with COVID and you have no idea where they're going. You, you have no idea if they're being treated. You have no idea if they're quarantining. You have no idea if they're getting together for big barbecues before the 4th of July, which would upset President Biden tremendously. Tony Katz, so good to be with you.
Tony Katz today. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Twitter, Parler, Instagram, at Tony Katz. Norway has reported three blood clot cases. This after a shot uh, from the AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. And you have nations throughout Europe that have said, whoa, 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 we're not going to offer this out. Now, some people think it's an absolutely political move. What we're seeing here, it's politics more than anything else. Because if you take a look at certain um, connections, right? If you take a look at what's happening with, with Pfizer, you're taking a look at what's happening with Moderna, there are some people who have some issues. But these vaccines, no one says we should stop. Only the AstraZeneca one right now, we should stop. Three people are being treated for severe blood clots and cerebral hemorrhages. Now, don't get me wrong, that's awful. They don't know yet if there is even a connection between these things. According to AstraZeneca, 17 million doses have been administered, showing no evidence of increased risk of pulmonary embolism, deep vein thrombosis, or thrombocytopenia, which I assume I pronounced properly. I am not one of the people who thinks, oh, vaccines, well, that's just a, that's just the government trying to get you. I've gotten emails from people, Tony, you're being naive. All the problems with vaccines, doctors have been trying to explain it. They've been taken down from YouTube. I don't think people should be taken down from YouTube. That's not the argument I'm making. I think if a doctor has an issue and a doctor wants to point it out, a doctor should be able to point it out. Absolutely. Feel free. I am saying that I do not believe, and no one has brought me anything to make me believe, that Pfizer pushed to get a vaccine done quickly that they knew was going to hurt people. I don't believe that for a second. I don't believe that Pfizer moved quickly on a vaccine to make Donald Trump happy. I don't believe that either. I don't think Pfizer gives a good holy you-know-what about making Donald Trump happy, neither does Moderna. I don't believe that the pharmaceuticals, right, the therapeutics, I should say, that have come out from from Merck or Eli Lilly were developed so Trump would like them. I think these groups may very well hate Donald Trump. But I don't believe for a second that they moved to get something to market quickly where they knew they were going to be hurting people. You cannot get me to buy that one. Nothing has moved me yet. Because as an idea, that's a ridiculously clumsy idea. Now, I will say to you that I do believe that if we were to see serious cases uh, in, 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 in large numbers, cases of people being damaged severely, seriously, um, in, in, in depth by this, by the vaccine. I think that you'd see a damage done to, to, to Pfizer in, in, a, in, a, in a way that I don't know how they recover. And I don't think they put themselves in that position. I really and truly don't, and I am not sold by the people who, who, are, who are buying into it. 
So I, I, I would say if you want to take the vaccine, go ahead. Now, if you don't want to take the vaccine, don't. This has been a conversation about whether President Trump has done enough to get people to take the vaccine, and Trump supporters are waiting for him to say something about the vaccine so they can trust it. They saw him go into a hospital with COVID. They heard him talk about hydroxychloroquine when the rest of the country and the media apparatchik wanted to tell you that if you take hydroxychloroquine, you and your puppies are going to die. But that was never the case, now was it? That was never real. Maybe part of the problem is that the media apparatchik engaged in some of the fear tactic that they're now saying creates an issue with trustworthiness. You reap what you sow or something about reaping and sowing. There was never a problem with hydroxychloroquine. Used for lupus and a whole bunch of issues. It was a malaria drug to begin with. There was nothing wrong with someone taking hydroxychloroquine if your doctor said, oh, yeah, it's worth a shot. Can't hurt. Well, then you take it. You see what happens. All the people who said hydroxychloroquine was going to get you killed, all the people who said you were ridiculous to take hydroxychloroquine, those people attributed to some not getting it and possibly dying. How's that for the twist? How's that for a little bit of maneuver? If people don't want to get vaccinated, they don't, they're not going to get vaccinated. If people are waiting for Trump to tell them to get vaccinated, I would consider that weird. But I don't mind if Trump tells people to get vaccinated. Or, 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 or not, more than, more than welcome uh, to do so. Some people, uh, specifically the political right, uh, they're not as trustworthy of, of, of government things. They like to wait and see. Okay, they're going to wait and see. Not the end of the world. Not the end of the world at all. Now, one of the weird things going on is the utilization of, mil- of the military for political ends. Major Mike Lyons retired. He will be with us next to discuss what is going on in the halls of Congress. What's happening with the National Guard? And when will this posturing stop? That's coming up next. I'm Tony Katz. You have National Guard troops at the Capitol. You have National Guard troops being marched by certain members' offices in the House of Representatives to teach them a lesson, and you got members of the military yelling at people on TV. What exactly is going on here? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Now you can find him on Twitter at M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S dot com. You hear him and see him on CBS and part of the CBS News Radio Network as an on-air military analyst. Uh, He joins us right now, a combat veteran of Operation Desert Storm. I want to go through these three things that we've been seeing. And not only a question of what level of prop is the military being used as, as I see it, you could disagree with that. But for what reason is the military responding to civilians? And let's start with what we know. At the Capitol, we're still keeping National Guard troops. We're still making the claim that there are threats that need to be uh, dealt with. They're still sleeping on the floor or they're still eating raw beef or they're still eating food with metal shards in it. What is happening to National Guard troops and is any of this necessary? 
Hey, Tony, great to be with you. Uh, no, it's not. And uh, I'm just surprised that uh, it, it, they're still there right now, but it, it's clearly more political using troops as political props. Um, I think you've seen some of the military leadership trying to get them out of there, but this is all about politicians right now trying to make statements and create um, a security environment that just it doesn't you know, show this this level of threat that's there. I mean, um, we're not seeing anybody else outraged by it. Unfortunately, everybody's trying you know trying to survive COVID still. But the bottom line is, uh, there's just no way that there was this any level of threat there. This this made up date of March sixth of uh, of requiring the troops to stay for some kind of uh, event that was going to take place. I mean, we're, we've got enough intel to see if there's twenty, thirty thousand troops or other people are going to mass in D.C. So uh, unfortunately, right now, I, I just haven't seen in history a time when our troops have been more politicized, both internally and externally. And that politi- politicizing and keeping them there, is there a conversation? Are you hearing about conversations of morale there? Or have, have more governors have said, no, 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 we're taking, we're taking our, our people back? What's been the response? Yeah, no, I, I'm hearing these are act, uh, National Guard troops and, and kind of temporary soldiers there, and they're just looking to kind of get through it. And, and when the time comes, it's a paycheck for them. They're going to go back to their jobs. It's not, you know, if you had active duty troops, there would be. I think it'd be a little different. There might be a little bit more of a, of a sense to get them out of there to train. So this is, you know, again, more or less, um, you know, they're just basically being held hostage by the situation at, at hand. Uh, they are getting paid for it, and it's all counting for their, their duty. But, um, you know, the bottom line is it's just there's no need for them to be there. Talking to Major Mike Lyons. That's where you can find him on Twitter, M-A-J, uh, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S. The second thing. The second thing is that Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene said something that was clearly wrong she referred to the fact that guam is a foreign country or a foreign territory and not part of the u.s of course guam is a u.s territory so the representative of guam who you know uh represents uh, the island and and uh and reports to the capital he grabs members of the guam national guard and marches them past her office it, it, this is standard operating procedure? No, no. I mean, again, not even close. I mean, if, if you saw, you know, what was going on, you know, prior with uh, what was going on in the media, and I will probably talk about that next, but this was kind of a hold my beer moment. I mean, this is, you know, again, beyond the pale of politicizing troops and um, intimidating, really, somebody else. I, I'm just really surprised that, you know, where was the commander of that unit that, that allowed this to happen? And it's uh, either a level of groupthink is just beyond. Uh, because of this one individual we're dealing with. I mean, whether you have to show respect to this congresswoman, regardless of what you think she might be saying or what she's doing, and she's not the first to ever make a mistake about Guam, I'm sure. So, um, no, I think uh, we're, we're going to see now if the Democrats, if, if the Congress is going to censure this uh, Guam congressman, because we just can't have these congressmen doing this all, again in the future, grabbing troops from National Guard and parading them by someone's office and making a point with them. And th- this is just no better example of how not to politicize the situation. President Trump was accused of politicizing when uh, crowds were dispersed so he could get uh, to the church and, and, and have a photo op. And as for, for Guam, it was Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia who once worried that there could be too many troops on Guam and the islands could capsize. That's, that actually happened in, in a committee meeting. But mm-hmm. this whole conversation, sir, about, about what's going on with our military. There was a report out uh, where 
where um, faith in the military and respect for the military and trust in the military is at an all-time low. And we've certainly seen situations where it, the military hasn't acted in a way that we would consider up to snuff, what we'd like to see from them. And I think that has been very much evidenced not by how the military has been treated in the case of this story about Guam or in the case of the Capitol, but rather in people responding to Tucker Carlson of Fox News for mm-hmm. saying that, uh, you know, pregnant women uh, shouldn't be serving and it's the feminization of, of the military. There are real issues with the military and whether or not right. it should be an instrument of, of social change. Yeah. Um, why is the military responding to Tucker Carlson? Is this is this standard operating procedure as well? No. So what I love about that was this kind of split the baby response that a lot of people said to that, um, and what I'll call you know civil military experts on Twitter who uh, claim to say, well, Tucker Carlson was wrong; he shouldn't have done this. But then the military was wrong because they did that. And, and frankly, there's a bright line that the military crossed in, in multiple of those verified Twitter accounts that they have, and what came from official government accounts. You had uh, the MEF divisions from the Marines calling, call, insulting Tucker Carlson, calling him you know okay boomer and all that, all the other nonsense that went with it. And it just kept it just kept going on and on. When again, the original issue was never about pregnant women fighting. It was was about the whole concept about Tucker, you know, Tucker Carlson. If you watch the, uh, the, the what he said, um, he's going after the Biden, the Biden administration for what the priority was in the military. And um, you know, General Funk, the Force Comm Commander, the, we just couldn't help ourselves on the, on the military side. And I don't know. I just think Congress is going to get involved. It's going to it's going to stay obviously very partisan because you know probably how you feel about what's going on is going to you know as a, as a from a politician's perspective, it's going to have to determine. But I'm afraid the military crossed a very bright line, and, I, and I'm not sure how we get that genie back in the bottle. Well, I am not so sure either, but I, it, it, it creates a bigger question, sir. Is today's military the, the, the military that we need? Is this a social justice military? Or are we still the military that's prepared to go out there and kill the enemy and break things? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I think that um, there are we'll always have warriors, and I know that, that that's the undercurrent of, of the, the military. And in some cases, the kind of social justice warriors in the military, and there are some that that get attention now and that, that wants to become attention. I, you know, the thing is, as maybe what what people thought around President Biden, because, again, he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of control. Isn't, he's, not, he's not acting like the commander-in-chief, frankly, in the, the attack on Syria, for example. Right now, he, he's being fed a lot of talk. Points and if he was the commander in chief, um, you know we want to celebrate two women that got elevated to the four-star position, and that's fine. Let's do that. But to wrap this pregnancy thing around it about having you know body armor and pregnancy maternity suits in the same conversation it was just not appropriate. And again, I think he's being fed that information. It's not something that a commander in chief would say. Um, but but again, I think that um, the military has always been used, and it's, it's gotten worse as uh, a way to enforce social justice and. Uh, until we you know, have to fight and win a nation's war again, we're just going to not know how effective it really is. Major Mike Lyons uh, from uh, CBS, iHeart, all the good places, M-A-J, Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, on the Twitter box. Be sure to give him a follow. Sir, it's always good to talk to you. We'll catch up with you real soon. Um, I, I do agree. There's an issue with what we of the very concepts of leadership and the very concepts of strength and very concepts of focus. And the military is not a tool of social change. And the people who want that are not working in the best interest of the United States.
This is Tony Katz today.